My name is Keith Beavers, and I'm on a 30-day peanut butter detox. I've had five, five jars of peanut butter in the past two months. What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Pair Podcasting Network? This is Wine 101. My name is Keith Beavers, and I'm the tasting director of Vine Pair. What's going on? So this week, it got a little crazy. I I want to talk about wine cocktails, but I don't really know much about them. So I had to bring an expert in from Cocktail College. Let's get into it. Let's pop over to Veneto, Italy, where our sparkling wine sponsor, La Marca Prosecco, is made. It's a land of vineyards, rolling hills, and sprezzatura, which sounds delicious, but really just means effortless style. You know what else is effortless? Cocktails made by La Marca, like a candied sapphire in a sunset fizz. Just visit LaMarcaProsecco.com for recipes. To try America's most loved sparkling wine, La Marca Prosecco, Follow the link in the episode description to barrelroom.com. Okay, wine lovers, hear me out. I I don't know if you guys know, but I produce some of the podcasts besides 101 in the Vine Pair Podcast Network. And one of the podcasts that I produce is Cocktail College, which is hosted by our managing editor and booze expert, Tim McCurdy. Spirits, not booze, but you know. Anyway, I wanted to do, I started thinking about wine-based cocktails and what that means. Because I don't know, guys, I can tell you about soil. I can tell you about regions, history and wine. I don't know really anything about wine cocktails. So I sat down with Tim McCurdy from Cocktail College, the Vine Pair Network, and picked his brain it guys, it blew my mind. Like, get ready for your mind. Like, get make some room because your mind's gonna blow. Ladies and gentlemen, cocktail colleges, Tim McCurdy. Am I spiking? Yeah. Okay. So this is a very special episode of Wine One Hundred and One. I am actually in the Vine Pair Studios where I usually do work throughout the week. Wine 101, I have a separate studio. And today we're talking about wine cocktails. And the thing is, wine lovers, I love wine so much. And I love talking about it, researching it and everything. I know nothing about how a wine can be incorporated into a cocktail in a way the wine actually improves or helps the, you know, the sum is greater than its parts and all that. So what I decided to do is I decided to bring in an expert and that expert actually happens to be here in Vine Pair Studios. It's Tim McCurdy. He's the host of Cocktail College, our cocktail focused podcast in the Vine Pair Podcast Network. 
and he is going to walk us through this stuff. Cause I'm going to ask questions cause I don't know what's going on. And I kind of want to know, cause I kind of want to understand wine and cocktails. Cause I kind of want a wine cocktail. Cause I don't know any cocktail with wine. So Tim, welcome to wine One Hundred and One. Thanks man. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to getting into the chat. I mean, chat, you're gonna be doing most of the talking. Cause I don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but, um, so, <laughs> so every week you sit down with a bartender, um, who is an expert or in love with a specific classic cocktail. And you go through so much detail. You have a grasp on history and the science of it all through all these interviews. So I'm just going to pick your brain, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick your brain. Um, I don't know where to start. I guess the word wine and the word cocktail, we talk about wine. Let's talk about the cocktails. Like what is a cocktail? I mean, we're, yeah. I'm, we're literally wine people on this side, dude. Well, so I mean, being being a loyal listener myself to Wine 101 Don't as well. <laughs> I know that this show loves to get into history too. Yes. So I figured that's going to be a good place for us to start. And yeah, that just that word, cocktail, the idea of cocktails, you know, where do we come up with it first? What does it mean? Is there a specific set of parameters that defines what a cocktail is? What is it, dude? Well, yeah, as it happens, there is. So we need to, uh, we need to look back to 1806. Okay. Um, there's a newspaper called The Balance and Columbian Repository. It was published in Hudson, New York. And in 1806, they casually used the term cocktail in an article. I forget what the write-up is about. And it, res- it, and it prompts a reader response. What does this word cocktail mean? And so this, in, in, and so in response to that question they publish what most people believe to be the first recorded record and definition of a cocktail. It's the third written mention of the word, but the first definition, and that is a stimulating liquor composed of spirits of any kind, sugar, water, and bitters. Hmm. And worth noting a few things about that. First of all, if you look at it quite literally, this is essentially an old-fashioned. An old-fashioned is the best way to think of this, right? Okay. Spirits, you'd have whiskey, sugar, you've either got simple syrup or you're using a sugar cube, bitters, angostura, and that final part, water, is coming from stirring the drink and dilution. Right, okay, okay. So this is the basic template for all cocktails, right? And, and, and if you look at them, I mean, most of them generally do adhere to this definition, but in this we're saying spirits. And yet today is a show about wine cocktails. Yeah. So rules are meant to be broken, Amen. I would say. You know, we can, we're going to get into... So I've got three different kind of categories or styles and drinks that I want to highlight. Um, Wait, so you're telling me that three styles and drinks you want to highlight with wine. So you're saying like wine, wine it's, it's, it's a common thing. Wine mm-hmm. is often, and not often, but it, it is there are a list of cocktails with wine incorporated in it. Yeah. And so some of them, wine is going to be the mixer. Mm-hmm. Other ones, wine is going to be the bona fide replacement for the spirits itself, for the spirit itself in that's that, cool. in that classic, gener- um, in that classic definition. And then the final one we've got, that's kind of like, I think it's the one you should work towards if you're making cocktails at home. And it's kind of the best example of using wine as an ingredient in addition to other spirits. So yeah, that's that's what we're going to cover. Oh my gosh. So we'll start with the first one. 
Well, before we do, I've, oh. I, I've got one more little bit of history to tease out. Nice here for you. wine lovers, I guess, and wine cocktail lovers. Wine and cocktail lovers, definitely after today's show. <laughs> Absolutely. So, we we talked about that um, that definition, eighteen oh six. If we look back in history to what many consider to be the world's first celebrity bartender, Jerry Thomas, in eighteen sixty two, he publishes the this book called The Bartender's Guide. Okay. It's a book that many people still refer to today. I would say that a lot of the recipes have been updated or the ratios have been tweaked. Um, ingredients change over time and also so do palates, drinking preferences. But no, most notable about this book for me is that Jerry Thomas is using wine glasses Whoa. as a measurement. For ingredients. That's, that's, I mean, what I see at bar and bars, I see these things with measurements in them. The jigger. The jigger. Mm -hmm. So the jigger wasn't, it was. It started with a wine glass instead of a jigger. It started with a wine glass. Now I know what you're thinking here. Oh my God. A wine glass of gin in my martini. That's, that's a, what I'm thinking. That's a boozy, that's a boozy drink, right? <laughs> I'm thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on there? Well, I did a little digging into this. I mean, I'm sure we can assume, okay, these are not standard modern day wine glasses. Sure. We have so many different sizes on Amazon. We ha yeah, have different sizes. I know you like to, I know you favor a, a 16 ounce one. I go, it's 34 ounce. 34 ounces. <laughs> it's like a decanter. It's a glass. It's wild. It's wonderful. It's incredible. <laughs> Check out his Instagram. You'll see it on You'll there, see folks. You'll it. It's But, so I did a little bit of digging into this and- Nowhere could I find it published exactly what one of Jerry Thomas's wine glasses would equal in terms of modern day measurements. However, I did come across a study that showed that the average capacity of wine glasses has swelled from the 1700s, where it would have been 66 milliliters, okay. to around 450 ml today. Wait, wait. I know, sorry. What was the, what was the first one? What, what was the first 66. number? 66. To what? 450. God. And all right, I know also we would like to convert that to ounces. Yeah. 66, we're looking at roughly two ounces. Aw. Which really does track because most cocktails oh. call for two ounces of base spirit. That's amazing. I want more than that in my wine glass. Yes. But as a two ounce pour for a cocktail, that makes complete sense. It makes sense. So awesome. it seems to track, even though there's also some other things that complicate it. Sometimes Jerry says a small wine glass, a large glass, mm. you know, and there's also sherry glass, which is something different. It's a whole different world. But I, I, I think we can, we can roughly say that wine glasses were roughly two ounces back in that time. And also... So wine has this history with cocktails, whether you're talking about the liquid or not, whether you're talking about it meeting the classic definition, the glass is there. This is full circle wine lovers, and this is amazing. And I did not know this was happening. So this is really, really cool. So cocktails were invented in New York. <laughs> <laughs> As everything was. And... And wine glasses. So New York and wine glasses. I love it. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. And I, I, I don't forget, I don't quite recall where Jerry Thomas would have been based, but um, I'm assuming with whether he was across the Atlantic or whether he was here, you know, I did, there was a similar school of thought when it came to mixing drinks. So but it seems to be the early standard. Now, full disclosure here, I do produce the Cocktail College podcast. So I have 
it's really great. I get to sit in a lot of these, a lot of these interviews and I lost my fucking train of thought. What did you just say? Wine glasses at either side of the Atlantic. Uh, oh yeah. What's really cool about cocktails is as I've been, and as I've been listening to these episodes and producing them, it really is amazing how just because I do, I did mention New York because you know, we're in New York and I'm a New Yorker, but what's really amazing is that it started in New York, but it went global pretty damn quick. Yeah. That's amazing. Just in cocktails in general. Yeah. Real quick. That's amazing. Spread and far and wide. Does, is there any indication at all in history of when, when wine is, it doesn't really matter, I guess, is when wine is incorporated into a cocktail doesn't matter because we just want the wines with the cocktail. Well, I mean, we can, we can dig into some of them. I don't have the dates here, but I, we can definitely highlight some of these ones where, you know, I can be like, this is definitely more of a historical drink and mm. this is a newer one. Cool. Um, but if we want to look at that first category of using, yeah. yeah. I'm excited about the, let's, <laughs> I let's, want these categories. Let's make some drinks. Yeah, let's, let's talk this. about drinks. So that first category, using wine as either the base or actually in more instances, the mixer. The mixer. So that means, okay, so you put that in first and you mix everything into it. Yeah, or, you, or you're, you're adding it to a concoction that maybe already contains some other ingredients okay. or a base spirit. Right. Um, worth noting on this front that most of these, actually all of them that I have listed here, we're talking sparkling wine. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, I guess if cocktails are, are cocktails celebratory? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say so. Sparkling wine has a perception of celebration. Mm-hmm. And also just think about it. There's a lot of cocktails out there, high bowls, where we're using soda water. Where Why carbonation? Carbonation. So if you bring champagne or prosecco or other sparkling wine styles into the fold, you're getting the carbonation, but you're getting flavor as well. I mean it's a win it's a win-win. It's a win-win situation. Okay. Interesting. Sparkling. That's cool. And so I would say maybe one of the most notable, not the most notable, but the, the the classic one you can look at here that I think riffs on that on that definition of the cocktail is the champagne cocktail. Wait, it's just called champagne cocktail? It's called the champagne cocktail. That's really interesting because usually they have such crazier names. Yeah. All right, just, okay, here's a champagne cocktail. <laughs> exactly. Cool. And so you would classically include... Well, we look at that definition again, right? Spirits of any kind, sugar, water, and bitters. Right. The champagne cocktail is composed of champagne, one sugar cube, champagne, one sugar cube, Angostura bitters, and garnished with a lemon or orange twist. Now, okay, we're missing the water there. You could turn around and say this cocktail is easier to make with simple syrup. So instead of the sugar cube, instead of the sugar cube, so equal parts sugar and water. Ah, there you get your water. If not, you're going to soak that sugar cube in a little bit of water and maybe those bitters as well, just so that it's going to dissolve in the wine. That easier. was my next question: Is the sugar cube into a cocktail? Mm. You want that to dissolve, so you're going to do something to it to make that happen. Yep. Okay. So that is champagne taking the place of a spirit. Now, some folks might be listening to this and some folks might know cocktails and they'll say, well, you know, I've heard that drink also made with brandy and sometimes maraschino liqueur. There's there's riffs out there. Maybe they were doing it at some point in history, but I would say the modern day accepted version of this drink is that. So this is quite literally the champagne cocktail. Okay, wine lovers, I am now, once we get off of this, I'm going to tell 
Tim, that he needs to do an episode on the champagne cocktail because I got to know everything yeah. about you're taking champagne and you're just altering it with that. Yeah. Why? <laughs> we got w- what's up? You know, it's like uh, one you got to book somebody now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know if you look at it, it does make sense. So you have champagne, which I would assume for this one we're using something pretty dry, a brute. Yeah, and then you're adding sweetness on mm-hmm. the one hand with the sugar. You're taking it away or you're countering it on the other hand with the bitters. Right. And then you're saying, I'm just finishing this with a little zesty lemon twist. You know, of all the complicated cocktails out there, this one really blows my mind. Very simple. Wow. That's crazy. Someone's like, I want to alter champagne. Yeah. (laughs) But still keep it balanced. Oh, and still be delicious. Right. Have you had one before? I've had one, maybe two. Okay. I'll be honest. I like drinking my champagne yeah. rather than mixing okay, with it. Okay, but, but I got to try one though. I got to know. Yeah. Or yeah. I do think I favor some of these other ones that use champagne and maybe a more interesting way with other ingredients. Um, okay. There's a classic right here, The Death in the Afternoon. <laughs> That's a cool name. And, I mean, is it? Yeah, it's cool. And yeah, but who's who do we associate that with? Isn't that a Hemingway book? Is that a Hemingway book? I don't know, but it's a Hemingway cocktail. Or or it's, yeah, yeah or vampire. I, I, am, I am immediately exposing myself here as a somewhat of a Philistine when it comes to Hemingway. Me too, man. <laughs> I'm I didn't really grow up and, you I'm, know, yeah. I, I'm an American and I just don't know. Yeah. But anyway, he came up with a cocktail. It's maybe an ounce of, of absinthe or maybe a little bit less and then topped up with champagne. Nothing else. What's it called? Death in the Afternoon. And I think it's probably quite a literal name in this sense where it's like, this is a boozy drink. Yeah. Um, You're going to bed early. Do I necessarily think that these are two ingredients that were born to go together? Absinthe. I'm not sure. Yeah, just, Absinthe and champagne. I'm getting a hedonist vibe. Yeah, it, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it, I think this drink speaks more to Hemingway's enduring legacy and, of and, and what people think of him as a person yeah. rather than, oh my God, this is an incredible drink. How'd you come up with that? Right. How'd you take those two? Th- <laughs> <laughs> Was it two ounces? What is it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've even seen some people doing even equal parts, which I, I think is going way too far. Yeah. Um, this is all in the first category. This is still the first category. Okay. This is cool. I would say another one that's more notable, but that's on this front is the French 75. Now I've had that because there has been an episode of cocktail college. Go listen to it. The French 75. Cause every time I finish a, a cocktail college podcast, I run out and try to find the cocktail. <laughs> this one's cool. Yeah. So this one I think takes our original champagne cocktail and we see an evolution. Okay. And into that drink, we have simple syrup again. Mm-hmm. We're adding fresh lemon juice. Okay. Um, and a base spirit. Hmm. And classically, people in the cocktail world, they love to debate. Oh, okay. Classically, this may have been a cognac drink. It's also made with gin. So it could be a... Okay, so there's two ways of topping it off, or the mm-hmm. third, that last ingredient could be either gin yeah. or... And if we're looking into the geekiness of like how to make this, Mm -hmm. my recommendation would be measuring out your lemon juice, simple syrup, and your spirit 
Personally, I'm going with gin in summer mm-hmm. and cognac in winter. Ooh, so, so we can, give me season. So we can, can have use, both. Yeah, you can have both. You can enjoy both. Because I was thinking I'd be more in the in the cognac camp, but mm. then I also love gin, so I would want to know what that's like. And now that you're giving me seasons on it, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, go with that. <laughs> that's awesome. So I'm gonna mix up. I'm gonna shake up those ingredients with ice, and I'm gonna strain them into a champagne flute. Then I'm gonna top with my chilled champagne. And hey, probably go for a little lemon twist again as the garnish. So if you see what we're doing there, we're just, we're taking the champagne cocktail one step further by introducing that base spirit. And just one more thing. So this, what is this category called again? Using champagne as the base. I'm saying, so I'm unofficially calling this using wine, typically sparkling wine Mm -hmm. as the base and or mixer. Sweet. This is great. Mm -hmm. This is great. Another... Another couple in this realm that oh wow people we're will still stand. Let's do it yeah we got we got three more to get through oh but the, man All some right. of them will be real quick so very simple I'm I'm, I'm calling this that that basically sparkling wine is the base of the drink brunch Bellini oh mimosa I mean. I mean, I, I, I guess I assumed that we wouldn't talk about that one. I call those cocktails. But if you're if death in the afternoon is two yeah, yeah. ingredients, then so is a mimosa and a Bellini. So let's yeah. do this. So Bellini is fruit puree mixed with sparkling wine, classically peach puree. Right. Mimosa, orange juice, sparkling wine. I'm going to kick that one back to you because back in your restaurant days, mm-hmm. I'm imagining you served a lot of mimosas, especially on weekends. Yeah. What we did is we did mimosas and our version of a mimosa is a glass of Prosecco topped off with a little bit of orange juice. Yeah. That it wasn't, there wasn't a half and half. It wasn't no. pitchers. It was like, you wanted to be a little hazy mm-hmm. and you you wanted to be like, Oh, is that orange juice or is that wine? I can't mm-hmm. tell. That's kind of how I wanted it. And I'm glad that you say that because Prosecco here, I would definitely advocate for. Those first three ones we covered, I'd say, yeah, I'm probably using champagne. That makes sense. You know, I want a drier profile. Mm -hmm. Um, I maybe want some kind of savoriness to it or not just fruit. Right. These other two, though, I'm thinking we want it to be fruit forward. Yeah. Yeah. Fruit forward, just a dollop of the fruit juice Mm -hmm. to go with the wine. And I think Prosecco is just a really good, fun candidate for that. It is. Prosecco is one of the most, it's like <laughs> if, if champagne is perceived as a, a celebratory drink, I feel that Prosecco can be perceived as a daily celebration, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. where champagne is, you know, you got to spend on champagne. Um, but with Prosecco, you can celebrate every day. It's just good times, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe you want to have, a, and that's, a, that's the thing. Wine lovers. I didn't, and, and it's been confirmed for an, from an expert here. Mostly Prosecco with a dollop of orange juice and your mimosas will just open up in front of you. Yeah. It's awesome. It's a real fun way to spend a Sunday morning. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> did it a lot. This is New York. One final drink in this category. Okay, here. well, we're still in category one. Let's do this. It's a very notable one if you're listening to this. You know, these are evergreen episodes. But if you're listening right. to this when it comes out in the week that it comes out. Okay. You might have seen some rumblings about this drink in recent times. Oh boy, should I be nervous? The Negroni Spagliato. What is this? So, the classic Negroni, as many people listening will have enjoyed, equal parts mix of gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari. It's delicious. Or bitter red aperitivos. Right. Other ones are available, and there's some great options out there. Mm-hmm. That's the classic, though. The Spagliato 
replaces that gin with sparkling wine. Wait. Replaces? So we're taking out the gin. So we're going sweet vermouth. We're going bitter red aperitivo. Yeah. We're going to stir those up, chill them. Okay. And then we're going to top it up. We're going to serve it on the rocks. We're going to top it up with Prosecco. I mean, kind of, man, The my first thought is I'm thirsty and I want it. Mm-hmm. It sounds awesome. Now, I would miss the gin because the gin has the stuff. It's got yeah. the juniper and the herbs and all, the all of that. All that punch. It's got all the stuff that kind of wakes your ass up. But I don't know. So can, can, a, can a Negroni Spagliato be... A, a brunch drink as well. <laughs> I'd say I so. Or I'd say it's a great aperitivo. It stimulates the appetite. Right, right, right. It gets, you know, gets your stomach ready for eating as well. The reason people might have heard of this in recent times is mm-hmm. there was famous person recently said, I like a Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco. And a lot of folks took that with Prosecco to be some kind of innovation. Now, classically, any sparkling wine can be used, but look, this is an this Italian, is Italian... This is an Italian Man, cocktail. You, you gotta do Prosecco. You gotta do Prosecco. I mean, yeah, it's Tuscany. It was invented in Tuscany, right? In Florence, the Negroni? Is that right? I'm not sure about I that. Believe I believe... I, I, well, I went to the... I went to the place in, okay, cool. in Florence that was adjacent to the original place because it's now a... It's prod. not Verona then, or Venice. No, 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 no. no. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's in Florence and the, the original bar is now a Prada store or something like that. So right okay. next door to it is this old, is this new place and it's, it's where it was. So yeah, it's Tuscany. So I know, I know that the Veneto is where Prosecco is from, but let's be real. And yeah, we're bringing it together. Let's do a Prosecco. And the thing is with Prosecco, it seems like a better partner to the other ingredients then because champagne, it seems like the other cocktails is just kind of not really shining through, but it's like, it's champagne. Then mm-hmm. this, then this, and this, this is this, this, and this. And then mm-hmm. champagne, no Prosecco. And you've, have you had one? Oh yeah. 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 It's a classic drink. It's a great drink. So without the gin, what's up? We're talking lighter. We're talking lighter, yeah, sweeter. Yeah, lower ABV, sweeter. You can have more fruitier. of them. You can definitely have more of them. That's kind of cool. I kind of yeah. like that. No, it's really nice. It's a real nice way, especially in summer. I like. It. I think it's a yeah. great summery drink. God, great. So now I got summer. I've got sp- Negroni Spagliato. And what was the other thing I'm drinking in the summer? Well, mimosas. Mimosas. Having, you know, French 75. French made with 75. Gin. This is going to be a good summer. Let's get to the winter <laughs> All quick. Wine. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess worth noting here too, we're not going to dive into this too much, but you know, we're including sweet vermouth in that drink. That is a, it's techni- a wine. Technically it's a wine. You have a vermouth episode. Yep. It's technically wine. And, and people can go back there. So, and look, Without vermouth, we're missing some of the world's great cocktails. My mm-hmm. favorite, the martini. Right. We've got the Manhattan. Those, I mean, these are amazing I mean, co- just, you, you, can, you can stop there and you can, yeah, you can say two of the world's most two iconic world's cocktails. Most amazing. But you have the Negroni, you know, so cocktail world is already massively indebted to the wine world. That's amazing. This is mind-blowing stuff. Mm-hmm. So are we moving on to category two? We're ready to. Oh, Scott. I'm start taking notes. <laughs> so category two is another, ing- it, it's a single ingredient we're talking about here, and it's a similar vein to vermouth. Okay. But let's talk about sherry. Ooh. There will be a sherry episode next season in depth, but let's get into it. So we're going to get into this one. Again, you know, this is a style of wine. It mm. ranges 
and sweetness levels profile. Um, many tears. Many tears. It's similar to Vermouth, but why I think this deserves more recognition for this section or for this podcast than Vermouth does is because we're not adding anything to it. No, this is a unique wine made you, in a specific way. You're making a wine. You're letting things happen in barrel mm-hmm. and in and you know when it's aging, but we're not adding anything to it, and that's why I think that this is more of a bona fide I feel wine that. ingredient than than say vermouth is. Wine lovers, wait till we talk about floor. Floor, oh, so good. Season four, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to talk about two things here. One, a very classic sherry cocktail where sherry takes the place of the base spirit. Okay. It's the bamboo. You did an episode on this recently. We did an episode on the bamboo. Yeah. Typically mixed in equal parts. You have sherry and our good old friend there, dry vermouth. There is. And a couple of dashes of bitters. I would split it between some Angostura bitters and some orange bitters. Okay. And I'm going to garnish with a twist. All right. It's going to somehow... It's going to be similar-ish in profile to something like a Manhattan, this drink, but Mm -hmm. it's going to be much drier Mm -hmm. because no whiskey and we're using dry vermouth. Mm -hmm. But this is a historic drink and and one that's very forward-thinking because it's also a low ABV cocktail that feels like you're drinking something that's maybe boozier or looks boozier. Right, because sherry has some depth to it and it adds the depth and the the weight to the cocktail, Mm -hmm. so you're also getting that textural weight as well while the dryness is happening at the same time and the dryness of the sherry does it come through in the cocktail 100 percent, yeah that's cool as well oh, yeah 50 50 it makes sense 50 50 and we're using dry vermouth as well oh, right, right right um and you know we're not adding any sim- simple syrup or, or sugar here so all right maybe doesn't quite adhere to the classic i mean it depends what sherry you're using as well because right. you could you could split that one and a half ounces of sherry that i would use for this mm-hmm you could do three quarters of an ounce of something like a Fino. Oh, that's wild. But then you might want to go three quarters of an ounce of something sweeter. Would you put an Oloroso in there? You could do an Oloroso, yeah, but something that maybe has some some sweetness there mm-hmm. and just make it infinitely more complex. That's cool. So the bamboo, but then... It says sherry, but it doesn't say which one or what kind. Yeah, you just go that's for cool. it. I love it. Rules are meant to be Wine broken. Wine lovers... Experiment with the stuff. (laughs) And then just a general word here on sherry and how much it's been embraced by the bartending community in recent years. It really has so much more than the wine community. So much more. We like to talk about this as being maybe something that Psalms love and something that Psalms champion. I want to bet that they don't sell as much as they would like to, even if they're really passionate about it. I actually know some friends that, that opened a, a, a sherry bar, and it's not around anymore. I've been to a few of them, and they were wonderful, but they're not around anymore. No. Just cannot take hold. Which is a shame. I it mean, is. I love drinking sherry, but... I have a theory. I'm going to go into all that in my episode next season. But Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> but the bartending community has championed sherry, and they're using it in drinks. Now, look, is this going to save the sherry industry? Not when you're using it one ounce at a time. Right. It's true. But it's gonna be a busy bar. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a very busy <laughs> bar. But they have, and and I think the best place to start with this, you look at a classic cocktail like a martini. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna break it down into equal parts: gin, sherry, stir it, strain, 
It's classic. It's a 50-50 martini, and it really... The sherry shines more than vermouth does, or it, it takes you to different places of complexity and savory notes, and it's just a really great way to to allow sherry to thrive in a cocktail. That's awesome, because vermouth has specific organic elements entered into the situation to give it more complex aromas and sensory. Mm -hmm. A sherry is a wine made like it's made and it gives what it gives based on the way it's made, which is really kind of awesome. Yeah. That's called a 50, 50 martini, 50, 50 martini. And again, like, yeah, if you really want to give that ingredient equal billing in a drink and allow it to shine, that's where I'm going when I'm thinking sherry. 5050 Martini, another episode on Cocktail College, guys, get, yeah. get into it. And I think just another point, if you're out at bars and you're looking at the cocktail list and you see the bartender using sherry and other drinks, go for them. Try them. It's nice. a great ingredient. Very cool. Can you, add, you, you should try one of these or just say, hey, can you give me something with sherry in it? Yeah, yeah. Do you use, do you use sherry in any of your yeah. drinks or do you know any drinks where... Where you know where I could try that, and it's yeah, it's really wonderful. Do you know how to do a fifty-fifty martini? <laughs> <laughs> sherry, okay, very cool. I mean, I know about sherry. I never real. I mean, and again, I've heard through Cocktail College sherry mentioned, but I didn't realize how much of a impact it can have on a cocktail. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So is this the is that the second category? That's the second category. Wow, done. it's a shorter category with yeah. more impact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which you're going to see in the next one as well because the okay. next category is a category of one. Okay, this is what I like to think of as the ultimate wine cocktail. Wow. Now, it includes less wine than most of the drinks we've mentioned before. Okay, but here we're introducing still table wine into it. So it's not sherry either. Red wine specifically. See, now this is I've never heard of ever. And I'm not talking sangria. I'm not talking, you know, right. those are great drinks, but sure. I'm talking bona fide cocktail. This is the New York sour. See, I've never heard of this one. I'm already excited. This is a wonderful drink and it basically riffs on the classic whiskey sour. Okay. Which is going to be either rye or bourbon. Mm-hmm mixed with lemon juice and simple syrup, mm -hmm. shaken up, and then strained and served. Okay. Now there's a couple of things to consider here with the classic whiskey sour. Are you including an egg white into that mix to Whoa. give it nice texture, a nice okay. foamy head? I'm all for it, but you don't have to do it. It's a lot of work. Are you serving this drink on the rocks? So when we talk about that, we mean over ice and in a rocks glass, an old-fashioned glass, like Are a tumbler. Are you about to talk about dilution? Well, we can talk about dilution. We don't need to. You guys listen to Cocktail College, a lot of, co a lot of talk about dilution. All I'm saying there is, like, it, I think it works in either. I think okay. the purists go on the rocks and in a tumbler. I personally like it served up. Okay. So in a classic cocktail glass or okay. a martini glass oh. with no ice. I think that works really well too. Okay. So where does the New York sour differ? Yeah. To that drink. So we're going to finish it off. So you're just making the New York, you're just making a whiskey sour. You're making a whiskey sour. Okay. And then we're finishing it off with a red wine float. Okay. How do you do a red wine float? Great question. So you're going to take a bar spoon. Mm -hmm. You're going to turn it upside down. Mm -hmm. 
and to the back of the spoon, which should be placed roughly over the middle of your drink, okay, as close to the surface as possible. All right. You're going to slowly pour red wine onto that. Okay. If you do that well with a steady hand, mm-hmm. you're going to have this phenomenal looking drink that's almost like yellow-ish in a way for the whiskey sour part, which is the base. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be this floating layer of red wine on top. That's so cool. So when we talk about how it's served and the egg white, these arguments, mm. I'm definitely not adding egg white to my New York sour. No. I think we're complicating matters. Yeah. And with ice, I don't know. With ice, see, most of the classic recipes out there, you'll see this served with ice. Okay. Personally, I think this is such a stunning looking drink. Yeah. I would do it in a big old martini glass. Amen to that. And I got to say, there was an episode you did of Cocktail College. I, I don't remember the person, but I remember, I'll always remember this forever. You got to tell me what it is because we the listeners have to know. You had somebody on who said they made a Bloody Mary with no ice. Yep. And it the way he describes how you should make it to enjoy it that way mm-hmm. blew my mind yep. to the point where I need to try that. And next time I get a Bloody Mary, I need to go to a place that is okay with doing that or make it on my own because that's just a phenomenal idea. And the whole thing about dilution, the reason why I brought it up is because when it comes to wine, wine's enemy is water. I mean, yep. we, we don't want to put ice point. in wine. Um, we chill wine, but we only chill it slightly. You know, yep. we, we don't want it to... So. It's just, it, it makes sense to me to have something, having a, a red wine floater just to literally just be layered on top of that. And you do all the things. So when you, you, you make the whiskey sour, it's a cold drink. Yeah. And then you pour it, you strain it into the glass. The, 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 does the wine have to be chilled? Yes, I would chill the wine. And that's a great point too, because you're mixing up that drink first mm-hmm. and then adding the wine as a float. Now, why are we doing that? I would say aromatics. Mm-hmm. You're adding a new ingredient into the equation yeah but also like you say water is the enemy of wine so if i'm including that in my shaking tin and i'm shaking it with ice we're diluting the wine right it's gonna ruin that mix ruin everything i think it's gonna it's gonna put everything off balance it really will and this is the other this is the dumb question like what wine (laughs) i mean like if it's it's the new york sour what is it like uh like a, a Long Island Cabernet Franc? What is it? Like a like a, a Finger Lakes Merlot? Is it like a, you know, I don't know. But it's probably, you know, what's really cool is it's probably just a really great everyday red wine. I would go with something fruit forward. Yeah. Do you think I a red blend? Yeah, a red blend, maybe a Merlot, Merlot. a Malbec. Yeah, I'm yeah. probably the, the avoiding tannins. Right. No Cab. No. No Nebbiolo. No, no, definitely not. Not even Barbera. I think we want something full-bodied. Full-bodied. Maybe Zin. Yeah, I think, like you said, Zin, Red Blend, and Merlot, those are like the ultimate cat, and then maybe Petite Syrah. Yeah, if you want to just pepperiness in there. Yeah, just like dense, densely concentrated red wines. Yeah. You know, with with that deep, dark fruit core. And also think about color. That's what I'm saying. Like this visual impact. Imagine like a Merlot. Yeah. Just popping through that color yeah. or a Malbec. Those would be beautiful. Yeah, I think that's it. So that, that to me is like, it's the epitome of a wine cocktail. Oh, man. 
You know, when I asked you to come on here, I had no idea this is what I thought you were like, well, sometimes you can pour, you know, sometimes you get some Dolan and then you get some red wine. You want to chill it. You shake. I thought I didn't know this is where we were going with this. And this is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And like every episode of Cocktail College, now I want to go and try all these. Yeah. I think, I think you got to get this. I got, we got to get you one of these made up and you can post it when we can post it when the episode goes we live. We need to start doing that. Come to the mountain. New York sour. I love it. I love it. New Jersey sour. New Jersey sour. What do we got? Well, we got to put like, uh, I don't know what to, <laughs> I can't think of it right now. <laughs> we'll find some Jersey wine. Yeah. You know, just some Jersey wine. There we go. Wow, man. Thank you so much. This has been so enlightening. I, I wine lovers. I hope you're as mind blown as I am. This has been awesome. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure. See you guys next week. Happy mixing. Vine Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pear headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. J. Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pairs Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide range of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wines. I mean, Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but you know, this is a wine podcast. So whether you're new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. We look forward to serving you enjoyment and moments that matter. Cheers. Visit BarrelRoom.com today to find your next favorite where shipping is available.